Oh, g'day there, and welcome to the rewrap for Wednesday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talks ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB, and this morning, um, the, the amount of uh, medical procedures that have been delayed uh, due to COVID restrictions is starting to get a little bit out of hand. Uh, we've got the price of coal and the price of milk to discuss, but before any of that, um, I don't know if you've noticed, but Jacinda Ardern's is spending all her time in Wellington and none of her time in her electorate. Bit annoying, isn't it? You're going to be pleased to know the PM doesn't have to be in Auckland to uh, understand the lockdown, as you heard Barry Soper. Kudos to him for being one of the last remaining press gallery operators who actually knows how to ask a proper question and insist on following it up. And if you heard it just a couple of moments ago, the Prime Minister lost the ability to handle it. So used to the soft soap acquiescence of the rest of the gallery who are either asleep spineless or apparatchiks. She was well and truly taken aback when old father-to-be Barry rocks up with a few nerve-inducing questions around why she hadn't been to her hometown in months, why she hadn't visited the very electorate that sent her to Parliament to represent them, and most embarrassingly of all, just how is it she's got time to go to Europe when she doesn't have time to go to Auckland. Europe isn't official yet, by the way. And it's not official because they've um, yet again been caught out, embarrassed by being caught out, and don't know what to say. She did offer the issue of quarantine. Bit hard to go to Auckland when she would have to isolate, but clearly not so hard to go to Europe and one assumes self-isolate under their new business plan trial, which involves an embarrassingly infinitesimal number of spots, now reduced even further by the fact the PM and her cronies have taken them. Now, to be clear... I'm not against the PM leaving the country to mix with the uh, world, mainly because I'm not against any of us leaving the country to mix with the world, but that's the rub. We can't leave because we can't come back, and we can't come back because we're all going to die. We can't leave Auckland, far less New Zealand, unless, of course, you're the Prime Minister, who no longer needs to be a local MP because she gets all there is to get by being hundreds of kilometres away. That's a special magic power. If you voted for this... I hope it's giving you pause for thought. How is it you got sucked into such arrogance? I mean, this is, this is Helen Clark 2005 through 2008, except it's gone to Adern's head at lightning speed. She lost touch in record time. Clark lost the country in the third term. Adern's lost it in the second. The reason she went all purse-lipped at Barry is because they know we're onto it. They know they're in trouble. They know this looks like a sick joke. They know this is turning to shite. But the only trick they have left is to bully their way through it, ignore the tough questions, and hope the rest of the media remains enamoured enough to make the ride smooth enough to get out the other side. Yeah, I think um, Mike's probably not the lone ranger when it comes to suggesting uh, people in Auckland are starting to feel like Jacinda Ardern is a little bit out of touch with their uh, personal needs, requirements, concerns. Um, and meanwhile, we've got uh, people uh, wanting to get a bit of hospital treatment. You know, people with, like, cancer. Dr Shane Retty, the National Health Spokesperson, is doing some good work. And this should be public information. The Ministry of Health will not say how many patients have been affected with delayed operations when it comes to cancer in this country as a result of the lockdown. Why won't they say that? Why shouldn't they be made to say that? Why isn't that public information as of right? Uh, he has obtained, though, numbers from four of the 20 district health boards so far. And of those four, it would depend on who they are, obviously. If they're small DHBs, it's worse than if they're big DHBs, but nevertheless, four of 20. 85 cancer patients have had their procedures cancelled or delayed since lockdown began. So this government's obsession, unhealthy obsession with keeping people out of hospital, and God forbid we flood the ICU units and, oh, horror if somebody gets COVID. Uh, what about the people with cancer? 
No one seems to care about any of that. The government was leaving people with cancer behind, basically. And then, of course, as we all know, the longer you leave cancer, how many times have we heard the, the, the earlier you detect it, the earlier you get to it, the earlier you treat it, the better the chance you have. But don't worry about that as long as we're keeping people with COVID out of hospital, for goodness sake. I mean, it's not just, it's not just things that are as serious as cancer as well. It's a lot, there's a whole lot of other things that all add up to, I don't know, life feeling like it's not really life. Um, my 18-year-old, for example, uh, I, have I told you this story? She, she's got glasses. She's got new glasses, which she ordered before lockdown. They arrived during lockdown. Uh, they couldn't initially send them out under level four. Under level three, they could actually send them out to her. But, of course, they don't fit. They need to be fitted correctly. Because at the moment, they just fall off. So they need to be tightened. But she can't get them tightened because the spec savers isn't open, is it? Anyway, enough about glasses. Let's talk about coal instead. Coal, and this is why COP26 is going to be a complete and utter bust. Uh, Never in human history has a tonne of coal cost more. So the burning of coal represents the biggest single obstacle to meeting the Paris Agreement uh, of limiting the world to 1.5 degrees. And this is what the UN's already said this week. We're way off course. Their words, not mine. Way off course. And my argument is not about climate change, whether you're for climate change or against climate change. My argument is about just being honest. And if you're going to sit around in lots and lots of meetings and promise yourself stuff, maybe you want to try one day to actually deliver. And if you can't deliver, which we know you won't, don't bother going to the meeting. It's a waste of time. And coal's your living, breathing example of this. Global pipeline, the global pipeline of new coal-fired plants has shrunk by almost 70% since 2015. Good, you say. Uh, Germany now wants to end its use of coal by the end of the decade. Fabulous. 40 countries have committed to no new coal. Ah! Terrific. Good on them. Humanity remains deeply dependent on coal, though, and that is your cold hard truth. Coal continues to dominate the world's total electricity generation mix by a large margin. There are still more new coal plants being built than old ones switching off. The International Energy Agency projects emissions from the power sector will reach a record in 2022 as coal power use surges. So you stand there in Glasgow and you make all these weird and wacky promises about how you're going to change the world and fix it all up and it's all going to be fantastic. And at the same time, we've never burnt more coal and we've never paid more for it. A shipment of thermal coal leaving the port of Newcastle in New South Wales is worth this morning five times what it was a year ago. It's called the Newcastle price. $67 a tonne last September, 307 this morning. 360, in fact, a couple of weeks ago. Prices have never been this high, having peaked previously at just over 267 a tonne during the mining boom of 2008. China's 3.4 billion tonne thermal coal market is more than three times the size of all the seaborne coal exports that Australia can get its hands on. And the Australia-China relationship is another story altogether. But nevertheless, even if Australia just threw every bit of coal at China, China needs three times more than that. If you look at the increase in coal-fired power demand for the year to August, it's equivalent to 190 million tonnes of burnt coal. The price of coal in China has now hit a staggering $468 a tonne, and that's for less quality product than Australian coal. So there we are, burning all the coal, paying all the money, and somehow we're thinking, well, turning up in Glasgow and anything's going to change.
they're wasting their time. Yes, the whole... Uh uh, this probably isn't going to work, so should we bother even trying? Argument, is it? And certainly, you know, if I was in charge, then I wouldn't. But I'm very lazy and can't be bothered doing a lot of things. So I don't know if I'm the right person to ask about that. Uh, if you want to know about uh, milk prices, Mike's your man. He's, he loves it. $7.90? To $8.90. $8.40 is the midpoint. Uh, you want some good news? Yet again, Fonterra comes to the party. Yet again, the farmer of this country is paying the bill. Yet again, people who grow stuff, produce quality, deal with the world, are counterbalancing the mad fiscal act coming out of the central government at the moment. The milk payout range has narrowed. That's the $7.90 to $8.90 part. The midpoint at $8.40 is in record territory. If you're a bit optimistic in following matters, you will note demand trends and auction results, and it may well be that that final payout is beyond that midpoint, which would in fact be a record. That number, $8.40, is worth about $13 billion to the economy. That's $13 billion hard-earned well-deserved, real-world dollars that gets fed into every town and city in this country. It comes, by the way, on the back of the KPMG Net Zero Readiness Index, which puts our farmers at number one in the world. 103 indicators, 32 countries, we're top of the pile. Ironic, isn't it, given all the heat the farmer has taken from this government over things they're no good at, the things they need to change, the stuff they need to pay for and get taxed on. Yes, agriculture is big when it comes to emissions, but it doesn't mean, as the report clearly shows, that they aren't making major efforts in doing the right thing. Contrasted to the rest of the world, who the UN yesterday told us has never emitted more, or the various operators have never burnt more coal, one of the main criminals, of course, being our very own government, who are importing coal in record amounts, while at the same time lecturing the rest of us on the value of net zero and taxing the farmer to get them to clean up their act or badgering them on pugging and field slope and rain patterns. So in the best traditions of our numbers-don't-lie philosophy, you can't argue with 840. You can't argue with a record. When you're the best, you're the best. And when you're paying the bills, maybe those who do the finger-wagging might want to pause a second and be grateful as opposed to handing out endless directives based on ideology, not real-world experience. I get um, that dairy doing well is always good for the the economy and the agriculture sector in particular and stuff. I do just get nervous about how expensive it might make cheese. That, that's, we just really need to focus on that. And if we can keep that low while everything else is high, that's fine by me. I uh, like blue milk, for example. I don't care how much that costs. I don't buy it. Who does? Yeah, it's, a, it's another classic theory versus reality. All you hear about all the headlines, it's all oh, it's plant-based, plant-based. We're all eating plant-based, plant-based meat, plant-based milk, plant-based everything. It's simply not true. Blue top, standard blue top, your bog-standard, good old-fashioned blue top milk. Are you talking dark blue or light blue? Are you talking dark blue? Holy cow. That's what you're talking about. You're talking dark blue has two-thirds share of the total milk market. Did you see? I said holy Never mind. I know what you said. Um, so this is for the four weeks ending September 19. Fresh white milk. The market in this country is increasing by 6% in volume, so we're drinking more of it. Light blue, second most popular, trim the third. Plant base is barely getting a look in, yet it gets the headlines. Theory versus reality. And then, weirdly, we, we got into talking about the different kinds of milk that froth best when you're making your coffee. And the host claimed he was frothing an orange label milk. I suggested maybe it was the calcium enriched yellow label but he swore it was orange and I then I thought, hang on, no there is an orange one and then we spent, and when I say we uh, Michael the executive producer and I spent a stupid amount of time after that looking up 
to figure out what the orange run was and we couldn't even find the orange run so there was a weird Mandela effect, effect going on there so then we had to text Kate to ask if he really was frothing orange milk and she said no no it's the purple uh, lacto free milk but not just the purple lacto free milk the Lewis Road Creamery Jersey milk lacto free so I'm not quite sure where that fits in with Frontier and Trends and Blue Top. Anyway, it's purple, not orange. Go figure. I'm Glenn ZB. There was an orange one at some stage, wasn't there? I'm Glenn ZB. It's not even the, the protein one's got a black label on it. It's not even that. I'm Glenn ZB. That was the rewrap. Back with more great content like that tomorrow. How could you bear to miss it?